You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. However you turn in your Bibles, your phones, your iPads, or however you do that, I'd love for you to be able to see this passage in just a moment. We're going to dive in and kind of see what's taking place in Colossians chapter number 2. But before we go there, let me... Let me transition from what's been a nine-week sermon series throughout the entire summer. We've had a great time. Now we're kind of coming into a mini-sermon series, two weeks, where we're going to cast some vision as a church family here at Gospel Light. Now, if you know anything about our church, you know that there's, uh, oh, I'd say, man, as far as 10 years ago, we began as a, as a church to really look at, at the DNA of Gospel Light. The direction, where we're going, what, what is our ceiling and what's our potential. And we saw some things that we were learning that we could be more biblical in. And so we decided to take this ship, if you will, of a, of a school and a church and a college on campus. And we decided to try to turn that ship and get it in a better direction. Well, when you do that... It can take a while for a decent-sized church that's already 15, 16 years old. It can be challenging. It can be a little risky. And it was. But you know what we feel is happening is we're kind of through that. And, man, that, that big battleship has been turned, and now we're going in a direction that we feel is allowing our church now to expand and grow and have more freedom to reach everybody. So we are super excited about that. I'm going to take a break here and just make sure if you need a worship guide, because my guys are so faithful. Yeah, keep your hands up, and they're going to get one to you while I keep on talking. So when we, when we, when we looked at that transition kind of coming to a close and, and God just really doing a great work in every area of our church, then we, begin, we began to start feeling like, wait a minute, man, you know, you, you can share some positive things, some vision with your church. I mean, you know, the... The, the, the church seems to be stable and strong and growing and there's things that are happening. And so I, I began to, to really get excited again, if you will, as a pastor about things like growth and expansion and new ministry and new people. And so this, this is kind of where I'm at. And so as a church family, your, your teaching pastor now is going to deliver to you two weeks of what I'm calling launching vision at Gospel Light, but I'm going to do it in two parts. I've called this sermon, The Place That God Is Working. Now, we know this isn't the only place God is working, right? We've learned that. In fact, you know what's cool about that? Is that's part of what God's taught us here. And we're not the only church in town, amen? We're not about being the best church in town or the only church in town. We're just about being the best church God wants us to be. We recognize that if you were to go out towards Mountain Pond, there's a lot of great churches towards Lake Hamilton or Malvern and Lakeside or even Cutter or the Village. I mean, whatever direction you look at, there is a church that is faithfully preaching the gospel. And we're thankful for all of those churches. We're not in competition. Amen. I mean, we're all on the same team. That's what's so cool. Sometimes we don't even, we have different denominational names or different names of churches. Sometimes the pastors wear different types of clothing. Doesn't really matter if they're preaching this book. Hallelujah. Well, I'd like them to wear clothes. Amen. But, you know, other than that, it's all good. So we, we come to this place where we recognize there's something, though, about this place. 
Because this is the place that I'm concerned about. This is where God has placed me. This is where God has placed many of you, minus our, our visitors, our guests this morning, even though you are very much a part of everything that's happening here this morning. I mean, you are, you're a member for one day at least, I guarantee you. We want you to feel that welcomed. And yet we also understand that there's something about the, the, the membership here that has been coming faithfully week after week, sometimes year after year. Hey, now we can say decade after decade. And so we look at this thing now and we say, hey, man, God's working here. And he's working here again in a supernatural way. And so I want to talk to you today, first of all, about this place that God is working. As I launch vision, I want to, first of all, launch vision in you. You know, I think the church is made up of individuals. And so before we minister to the corporate church, which we're going to do next week, and you're going to love it. In fact, I'm so excited about what we're presenting to the church next week. It's very exciting and inspirational. But this week, it's a little bit more personal. It's more one-on-one. Because I know that before you can reach the multitudes, you have to reach the individuals. you got to speak to the heart of Erica Pacey. I need to speak to the heart this morning of my family, of your family, of, of the men and the women of this church, even the teenagers, young adults, maybe even a few children here this morning. And so that's the message. The place that God is working, first of all, to the hearts of individuals next week, to the entire corporate entity called Gospel Light. So, let's jump right in, shall we? Here we go. You know, as we look back over our church history, 26 years now, and let's go even bigger than that. Let's look at the church history of 2,000 years. Because that's when the church started, a little over 2,000 years ago. And we look at the church history and we see that it has weathered a lot of storms. Amen? It's weathered the storm of heresy. Believe it or not, we've been here 26 years, and at times there has been potential false doctrine that has tried to creep into the church and maybe stir things up to where we get away from what's most important and we start chasing rabbit trails and feeling as if we're better than someone else because we know more about this or that or whatever. Sometimes we find that the church has weathered the storm of division. That's a tough one. Because unity is so essential to having a a good church. And when there's division in the church, when there's, when when a church experiences, you know, a split. And when there's, you know, I sit over here because I don't like the person that sits over there. And I I do go 1045 because I know somebody that comes at nine. And all of a sudden you've got these fractures and you got, you know, you just can't have a, a healthy church with division. And then the church has weathered the storm of persecution. I mean, many churches have experienced persecution, maybe not at the level that the persecuted church has, where Christians are still today at an alarming rate, dying, literally giving their life for their faith. But many of you understand, maybe in the workplace, what it's been like to be a believer and and to experience some persecution on not even a comparable level, but, but still. The church has weathered the storm of scandal. That's always sad when a scandal hits the church, when maybe there's immorality or there's some sort of a problem in the church that has shed a light on a a body of of believers that, that hurts the testimony of it to the community. But here's what's beautiful. Jesus knew what he was saying when he said, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He knew what he was talking about. And I pastored this church for 26 years. And when you stay here that long, guess what you experience? You experience growth and you experience decline. You experience a lot of ups 
and you experience a lot of downs. It's just the way it is. And we've experienced both. And I've been through the good and I've, I've been through the bad. But yet the culture seems to say to me today of gospel light, of champion, of our school, of our campus, of teen revolution, of all the different things we get to be involved in. The culture seems to be saying, God's working. Things are happening. It's not easy, but, but God's blessing and, and things are moving in a good direction and, and something's about to happen. And there's, there's a moving of God in this, in this place and on this campus. And so because of that, I'm like, man, I don't want to miss it. I want to make sure that in this season of blessing that I'm sharing with the church, maybe what's most important. So we ask ourselves this question. What is most important? Is it that we have quality or that we have quantity? Is quality more important than quantity? I have nothing wrong with quality. In fact, I kind of grew up in a in an environment where that was important. I mean, how many you had and, and how, how big you were and, you know, the big question where I come from is this. Hey, how many are you running? In other words, how many come? How, how big is your church? Everybody kind of wants to know the size of the quantity. But, but I believe if we're going to have the church that God would really smile upon, we need to focus our efforts on quality of ministry rather than quantity of ministry. Because at the end of the day, numbers really mean very little. You can have a church that has 20,000 people and it'd honestly be a garbage church. You can also have a church that just has 20 people out in the middle of the country or 200 people, let's say. And it could be a vibrant, healthy church. Because the body of Christ is like the human body. Growth can be very healthy or growth can be a tumor. It just depends on what kind of growth it is. Because there's no automatic connection between growth and health. So this morning, let's allow God to take care of how many people we minister to. And let's focus our efforts on quality of ministry this morning rather than quantity of ministry. Because if we really believe that God is going to bless our church numerically, then guess what? God gives the increase. All we need to do is just be the very best that we can be. How can I be the kind of church member that God would have me to be? Pastor, what's your vision, according to Scripture, for me as a member of this church? Well, let's look this morning at our text. It's in Colossians chapter 2. It's an interesting text. I love this text, and it's, it's got a powerful message for us this morning. Would you look at it with me in verse 1? Here's what Paul said. Paul said to this church at Colossae, he said, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and I also have for those at Laodicea, another church, and for all those who have not seen me face to face. Now, for just a moment, can I stop there and just bring something to your attention? You know why Paul said he's, when Paul said, I'm struggling, he was saying, I'm, I'm burdened for you. I, I have a, a heart for you and I'm, I'm burdened for you. I've got a inside of me. I'm, 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 I'm just a little bit burdened. I feel myself inside uh, struggling about some things that I, I'm, I'm hoping you're, you're doing because I'm in prison and he was and I can't be with you face to face. I wish I could be there. You know, there's nothing like face-to-face contact. I'm not much of a texter. I text, but I don't know. 
It's, to me, there's just something more better about seeing somebody and talking to them, seeing their expression and being able to share your heart. I'm not a big email guy. I'll email, but I'm not going to email you my innermost thoughts and feelings because I never do say it right. And I'm always afraid it's going to come across wrong on a piece of paper. But there's no mistaking face-to-face. You know, I understand now they have churches where you can actually do some sort of sci-fi thing where the pastor can kind of like beam me in, Scotty. You know, I mean, it's like a Star Wars church and the pastor's preaching one place physically at a location, but they do some sort of, anybody ever heard of this? Where literally you walk up to the pastor, shake his hand and it goes right to his gut. And you're like, whoa, I thought he was real. Um, I like technology, but I don't know if I'll ever want somebody to beam me in. I like, I like being here. I like shaking hands. I like the fact that at nine o'clock I was, and I love, I love getting here early. I get here at eight thirty in the auditorium at, at the early service, and I and I sit next to people. Man, I sit next to some of the coolest. I got to meet that family from Idaho, you know, and introduce myself to all their kids. And I got to sit next to a new guest that we've been having. He's been here two or three times, and I got to sit and talk to him. Found out he was a former pastor, just a really good guy. I got to talk to some people about some prayer needs they had, and see tears in their eyes, and understand how burdened they are. I mean, I just love seeing you face to face. And Paul said, man, it stinks, but I can't be there. I'm in prison for my faith, and I'm so worried about you, church. He said, I wish I could see you face to face. So you understand how this text now is is written. Let's read on. He said, for all those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I'm absent in the body, I'm not there. I'm I'm still with you in spirit. And I'm rejoicing to see your good works. I want to get there. I want to be there eventually to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. And so here in this passage, we find ourselves looking at Paul, sharing his heart. And I believe what I have for you this morning is the four things that Paul stresses that if he could be there, he would want to see these four things in that church. Well, I know I'm not the Apostle Paul. And if Paul walked through those doors right now, I promise you, I would sit down. Actually, I'd probably run. (laughs) But the truth is, if If Paul was here, he would share these things with us today because the word of God is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. And so since Paul can't be here, he he sent me. So here I am to share with you what Paul said he wishes he could have seen in the membership of that church. Let's look at it, shall we? Look, if you would, please, at verse 2. He says, first of all, I struggle. I have a struggle for you, and and I wish I could be there face-to-face, that your hearts may be encouraged. I believe the first mark of a quality church, of a biblical community, of a healthy church, is that they would be encouraged in heart. They'd be encouraged in their hearts. If you have a, a King James Version, it says, Comforted in hearts, which is the very same word in the Greek, comfort or encouraged. And I actually really like the word encouraged here in this passage. Paul is saying, my concern for you is that your heart would be encouraged in your mind and in your emotions 
and in your will. Why did Paul say that? I want you to be encouraged. Well, I think he said it because our bodies are so much more than physical bodies. There's an inner part of us that has nothing to do with us physically. Let, let, let me show you what I mean. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Though your outer self, your body is wasting away. Time out. Let me explain that. I've been working out with my son, Ezekiel. He's getting ready for a college basketball season, so he's working out. So I'm like, all right, son, let's go work out together. You know, the macho dad, you know, still got it. Let me tell you something. I found out one thing when you work out with an 18-year-old. You find out your body is wasting away. I mean, Zoe got up on the, on the, on the, on the pull-ups, and I mean, no kidding. He, he, he did 15 of these pull-ups. He's, you know, get his neck above that thing. I mean, muscles are bulging. I'm like, what well, a specimen of, you know, what a beast. And then it's my turn. <clears throat> I pull up on that thing. I'm getting up literally one inch. No, not, not one inch above the bar. One inch total. And I did 10 of those one-inchers, and I have been sore ever since. You know why? Because my body is wasting away. Oh, yes, I'm in decent shape for my age, and I understand that, and I'm thankful for that. But if you think for a minute, I have not recognized that my body is not what it used to be. Hey, my physical body is wasting away, but I got some good news. Look at the rest of the verse. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. One of the greatest things about the Christian life is while the body is getting worse and worse, the spirit is getting better and better. You say, man, pastor, man, you're pretty fired up, aren't you? Uh-huh. Man, you got a lot of energy. Uh-huh. It ain't because of my physical body. I'm wasting away. But man, inside, spiritually, I've never been more pumped in my life. Never been more excited in my life. Love the Word of God more than I ever had before. Can't wait to see what heaven's going to be like more than I ever had before. God is more real to me today than He's ever been before. Why? Not because my body. My body actually is in bad shape, but I'll tell you one thing. My spirit, she's fine-tuned and ready to go. And that's why I can share vision this morning. I can't brag on how many pull-ups I can do, but I can sure brag on Jesus and tell you what He's doing in my life. And so you see, Paul says here, this is what is important. And Paul wants that part of us to be encouraged. I don't know how much I can encourage you. I know, you know, people go to GNC and try to make their bodies look bigger. And hey, thank God for that. GNC stock is going up. It's all good. Keep buying those supplements and trying to, you know, it's all good. I I got a couple too. (laughs) But GNC supplements aren't going to do much for your inner self. That's going to take something different. And so Paul says, here's what, here's what, here's how I want you to be encouraged. I want you to encourage somebody else. Number one, you encourage someone else by coming alongside them. That's how you do it. The way you encourage others is by coming alongside that person and encouraging them. Not over them in authority and not under them as a servant. You do it by coming beside them as a friend. I'm kind of a touchy-feely kind of a guy. In other words, I'm, I'm Italian. I'm a lover. I love to share my love. I love, that's just kind of how I was raised. My family was affectionate. And so, I want to quote you something I read that just kind of touched me in a special way. Don't walk behind me because I might not lead. 
Don't walk in front of me because I might not follow. Just walk beside me and be my friend. That's what I need. I need a friend to encourage me. You say, why, Eric? Because I get discouraged. You? Yeah, I get discouraged. And sometimes I just need somebody to tell me, Pastor, it's going to be okay. It's going to be great. And so do you. Husband, your wife needs that. Wife, your husband needs that. Parents, our children need that. Why? Because there's so much discouragement in the world today. We need to have a place we can come where God is working, where we can be encouraged. And that's why Paul said, oh, I wish I could be there. I'm struggling. I can't see you face to face. But if I could, here's what I'd be looking for. Are you encouraged? Let me see your face. Are you encouraged? Are you happy to be here? Are you smiling? I always look at the worship team. You know why? Because I think if you're worshiping God, you might want to smile every now and then. Amen. Man, I always want you to know, if I was preaching with passion, okay, how would you like for me to preach this sermon like this? Number one, be encouraged in your heart. Now, what encouragement means is this, that from time to time, you want to talk to someone in a nice way. I mean, don't be overly nice because that's kind of awkward. Does that even sound right? I mean, if I'm talking about encouragement, should not I talk about this in a way that would convince you that that I really believe it and that I, I believe encouragement is important and I'm passionate about it? You see, when you believe something in your heart, you're passionate. We encourage people by doing by 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 doing this. Listen, Otis Pressler and Kitty Pressler have been going through it for weeks. Listen, Kitty is in bad shape. She's in the hospital. She's got uh, an infectious disease in her blood. It's affected her liver. It's affected a lot of things in her white blood count. I mean, they have been up and down. A little better week this week. Her white blood count's a little bit better. There's a lot of things that are looking a little bit better, but to be honest, it's still tough. So I've been, I've been up there a couple times. I've also texted Otis every day and just, how you doing? Praying for you. How's Kitty? That type of thing. So yesterday I got this text back from Otis and it was perfect because God does things for me that are cool. Like when I'm about to preach a message, God gives me on Saturday illustrations to give on Sunday. That way they don't have to be old illustrations. 20 years ago. No, yesterday I texted Otis. He's up at the hospital with his wife. Hey, Otis, is there anything I can do for you? Text back. Well, honestly, preacher, it's probably best that you don't come up right now because you got to put gloves on and wear a mask. And I, I don't want you to get sick. He said, but just keep encouraging me. Just keep telling me God's in control. I thought, and he literally used the word encourage. He didn't know my sermon and I don't have my notes out there yet. That was a God thing. Our brother in the hospital with his wife said, just encourage me. And people need that. Listen, this is what we need to come alongside people. Number two, here's how you do it. You you do it from alongside someone, but then how do you do it? By saying something to them. Maybe these are words of comfort. Because the Bible says that God is the God of all comfort or encouragement. But this isn't talking about This morning, the comfort that God gives, I'm talking about the comfort that you give to somebody else. I like the comfort that God gives, don't you? Anybody ever been in a bad way and you needed to go to the book of Psalms to get encouraged? Anybody done that? I have. The book of Psalms is a wonderful book to get encouragement from. It's a a great book. 
Psalm 23 is probably the ultimate encouraging chapter in all of the Bible, right? But sometimes I need a person. And God doesn't take it personal. I mean, yes, God is enough. I know that. And it sounds really spiritual for me to say, all you need is God, you know. But, but that's just not reality. The reality is, yes, all you need is God, but you also need other people. And God knew that. And Paul knew that. And that's why Paul said, encourage one another. Come alongside someone and say something to someone else. I thank God for those that have encouraged me, that have come alongside me, that have said they're praying for me. It's good to see. We talked about seeing Mark last week in the service. I don't know if Mark's here today. Is Mark anywhere in the building? He's been up and down physically. Miranda's here. Hey, Miranda. Yeah. Man, God's good, isn't he? Just seeing you here today, mask and all, I like it, amen? But it's a blessing just to know that people care and you come alongside one, someone. We have in this church the capacity to be an immense blessing to one another. It's unbelievable. It really is. And let's pour encouraging words into one another. Why? Because we all desperately need this. We all have needs. And I have found that the greatest joy is laying your burdens down and picking up the burdens of somebody else. You'll find that in Galatians in chapter number 6 and verse 2, where Scripture says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Not your burdens, somebody else's burdens. See, we get so worried about ourselves that it ends up becoming all about us. And the only thing we worry about if we're not careful is me, mine. But you know, there's a lot of people around us that are hurting too. And the, and the way to fulfill God's law is to find somebody else's burden and pick it up. So Paul says, the first thing I would look for if I came to gospel light, the first thing I would look for is I'd look for people that are encouraged. Are you encouraged? Number two. The second thing Paul said he would look for is this. Look at verse number uh, two. He said that your hearts would be encouraged, be knit together in love. Five words. And I, I condensed it down to this. Number one, be encouraged in heart. Number two, Paul said, if I could be there, I'd be looking for the congregation to see if they were united in love. Are they united in love? Do they love one another? The glue that holds us together as a church is love. Love. It's more important than anything else. Honestly, this is the key. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. We've said that over and over again. Sometimes I find that people are so concerned about doctrine and, pre- and, 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 and speaking in a way that would impress the congregation. To me, listen, I want to know if you love me first before we get any further. <laughs> and I think you're probably the same way. You say, well, prove it, preacher. Okay, well, I'll use a few verses because it always is good to kind of back up what you say about what God says. So look at this first one. First Corinthians, first John three fourteen says, we know that we have passed out of death into life. Now, I know you've already read the rest of the verse, but can I just stop here and ask you to just take a time out on that first part? How incredible is that? I'm about to tell you how you know if you really are a Christian. In fact, if this isn't true about you, you probably just made a profession of faith and didn't really get changed because... The one way that you know somebody really is a Christian is this. So put your seatbelt on and give me a drum roll because what I'm about to tell you, not literally, but what I'm about to tell you is how you know you're a Christian because we love the brothers. 
Whoever does not love abides in death. If you don't love your brother, if you've got hate in your heart towards your brother, then it's evident you don't have Christ. The greatest testament of a believer is love. 1 John 3, 23 puts it like this. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. 1 John 4, 7 goes on to say this. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Knows God. You don't even know God if you don't love. And then 1 John 4, 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us. And here's what I see there. It's in the Greek. You've got to look hard. Duh. Oh, obviously. That's what I see. You see it? Let me read it like that. Let me, let me read the Erica Pacey version. You ready? Beloved, if God so loved us, duh, we ought to love one another. It's like, I mean, how can you love God and not love one another? That's what the verse is teaching. It's an obvious thing. It, they, they go together. You cannot separate the two. If you love God, you will love your brothers. Jesus did not say, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have a really good security team in the parking lot. Jesus did not say, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have padded pews. It's the greatest sign of true discipleship. <laughs> by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have a clean nursery. No. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love. One, two another let me give you four ways to love one another because if we're to have a quality church we've got to get this thing down number one you love somebody by what you say to them it starts with the capacity to look someone in the eye and say i love you i love you it starts with that let me give you an old illustration that dates 26 years and then let me give you a new illustration that dates one day 26 years ago, we started this church. We built a culture of love. And I remember we hired a teacher named Julie, and Julie came on board. She was from the north, and, and, and she, she was a new teacher, and she just got through in-service, and she's walking down the hallway, and, and I see Julie, and I welcome her to the campus and tell her I'm so glad she's here, and I'm really excited and looking forward to getting to know you better. Hey, Julie, I love you. And she said, that's weird. And I said, what's weird? You just told me you love me. It's kind of strange. I don't really know you. I said, what's so strange about that? I'm the pastor. Uh, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. I, I love you as a sister. She said, well, we just don't do that where I come from. And I said, well, get used to it. Because that's what we do around here. Have a nice day. I love you. <laughs> so six months of that. Six months of getting inoculated by the love of this church. She's walking down the same hallway and I see her and I greet her again and ask her how she's doing and if she likes it. And she said, man, she's really loving it and everything's been fine. And, and then I said, well, Julie, hey, I, I love you and I'm praying for you. And she said, I love you too, Bob. I love you. I said it. I said, said what? I said, I love you. How did it feel, Julie? It felt great. It felt great, Pastor. And she walked off like this. I love you. Pastor, I love you. I love you, Pastor. <laughs> Yesterday, I was running an errand, and one of our students that's going to be a junior this year just graduated with his associate's degree. He's an athlete on our basketball team. His name is DeMarchio. 
He was in our 9 o'clock service. He's a great kid. So DeMarchio calls me up. He says, hey, Pastor, uh, I locked myself out of my room. Is there any way you could let me back in? I had a master key. I said, hey, DeMarchio, I'll be right there. So I'm driving to the campus, and I get here, and he's waiting in the lobby. And, hey, let's go, bro. Gets up. We go back to the room. Put that thing in there. He walks in the door. And, I mean, it just, it was just like normal. Didn't work it up. Just came normal. It was just, it just felt right. I said, hey, DeMarchio. It's going to be a great year, man. I love you. And without hesitation, that junior at Bible College from Ruston, Louisiana, wherever he's from, I think right around the road, he said, hey, I love you too, Pastor. See you tomorrow. And I thought, that's what makes this place special. A college student in a dorm room knows there's somebody on campus that loves him and that he loves. That's the difference. That covers a multitude of sins. You can make a lot of mistakes if you love somebody and they know you love them. There's always grace when there's a lot of love. Love makes the difference. Love changes things by what you say. My prayer for this church is that the entire campus would shout the words, I love you. Because where on the face of the earth should the words, I love you, be heard more than in a gathering of followers of Jesus Christ? By what you say. Number two, by what you do. So first of all, we got to say it, but, but how, many, how many of you ladies would say amen to this? Actions speak louder than words. Amen. Okay, three of you are willing to be honest. The others, you just don't want to make your husbands feel bad, okay? <laughs> Actions speak louder than words. I know, we're not doing the marriage anymore. Okay, I got it. We're, we're done for a while. In other words, eventually I can say it, but if I don't prove it, it becomes a problem. So we need to express our love to one another. And we do this in practical deeds and kindness to bless others. It doesn't have to be something big. It can be something small. I love a little poem I memorized in high school that goes like this. I have no voice voice for singing. I cannot make a speech. I am no good at music. I know I cannot teach. I am no good at leading. I cannot organize. And anything I write would never win a prize. But at the roll call in the meetings, I always answer here. And when others are performing, I lend a listening ear. And after the program is over, I praise its every part. My words are not to flatter. I actually mean them from my heart. It seems my biggest talent is neither big nor rare, just to listen and encourage in a fill a vacant chair. But all the gifted people could not so brightly shine were it not for those who used a talent such as mine. You know who's got the most talent this morning? It's not the speaker. It's the listener. You see... The fact that you're here today says to me, Pastor, I love you. You know why? Because I worked hard on this message. I put about 20 hours in. It's a lot of work to preach a sermon, a lot of study, a lot of a lot of typing, a lot of emailing back and forth, a lot of there's a lot that goes into this. And here's what I say, Lord, help somebody to show up. I've got some good stuff I want to give them. And then you show up and I'm like, Whoa, man, I sure feel love this morning. We all feel loved when somebody does something to show their love. These are things that we can do as a church family. We can do for others. And some of you are really good at this. And others of us need to just grow in keeping our eyes open for practical ways that we can do something to bless somebody else in this congregation. Next, we can love others by where we stand. This is looking a brother or sister in the eye that's 
going in a bad direction and saying, I can't let you do this. I love you too much. It doesn't make any sense to me why we would love someone and let them continue to go down a bad path. But to go to them and say, listen, I, I love you and I care about you and I've really missed you in church lately or I've missed you in small group and I just, I just had to call you and, and let you know that, that, that you're missed here. And that's good. That, you say, that's a hard call to make. Yeah, but it's a call of love. Because the Bible says sometimes we need to speak the truth in love. It's not always easy. And then fourthly, and I'm done with this, by spending time with people. You know, you can't love people you don't know and you can't know people you don't spend time with. You have to spend time with them. There's a lot of people in this room. But I honestly do want to spend some time with as many of you, if not all of you, as I possibly can. Sometimes in a period of a week, I'll find a way to meet with 20, 30, 40, 50 different people. Why? Because I know that's the key. The key is to spend time with one another. Even if it's just a cup of coffee or just a quick conversation in the hallway, or if it's you come early to the service and give me three or four minutes of your time. Or or if it's, I like to be the last one to leave often. And so I'll hang out and talk for one or two or three minutes just because I know that if you can spend time with me, if I can spend time with you, we'll encourage one another. I believe that's why this corporate worship service is the least effective way to spend time together. A lot of people in this room. And it's hard to spend time with everybody. But you know what? We go to small group and guess what happens? We live in a biblical community that we get to know everybody. So we get to a, a, a group in, in a home or in Kapachis or at the church and, and we, we find 10, 20 people to gather with and we get close to those people and we love those people and we grow with those people and we, we, we help to meet their needs and that's, that's a healthy church. We've got a young couple that's been coming. Their names are Brandy and Holly Vining. Are you here today, Brandon and Holly? Oh, there you are. I love you guys. I think they've been coming like three weeks maybe or something and they got in a small group. Not members or anything, but I met him the other day at the community center and, 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 and they were there to help volunteer for, for what we're doing. And they're not even members yet. They're just kind of getting their feet wet, finding out, you know, what is this church all about? And they're so excited about the small group because they're getting to know more about the church there than they are here. They're asking questions. And then they've got these young couples. I think it's Nathan Sellers' small group. And they're, they're answering questions and they're talking and getting to know one another. That's what it's all about. In fact, the best way to get connected to a church is through a small group first. Corporate worship is fantastic. But honestly, the best way to really feel loved is to get in close with a group and spend time with them. Encouraged in heart, united in love. Thirdly, and I'm almost done, growing Thirdly, Paul said, if I could be with you, I would want to see that you're growing in your understanding. This is so good. Because you see, you've got to be in a church where you can grow in your understanding of God's word. Otherwise, it's not really an effective, quality, healthy church. Because the foundation of every church is the teaching of God's word. Look, if you would, please, if you would, at verse number Two, maybe I would say two B, the middle part. Listen, to reach all the riches of full assurance of, there it is, understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible 
arguments. He says, I want you to grow in your understanding of God's word so that you're not easily deluded with arguments. You know the answers. You, you, you're able to defend your faith over time. And, and that's why it's so important to attend church and to come in. And, and we put a lot of emphasis on this service. And I put a lot of time into the message. And, and I like to refer to it like, you know, hey, we're going we're gonna to feed you a ribeye steak every Sunday morning. I mean, I know how important it is for you to have the word of God to nourish your spirit. Why? Because so we can grow. How many of you would say, true or false, answer this question in your heart. We live in a world that hates the thought of any absolute truth. True. Boy, you preach like the word of God tells us to preach, and guess what people say? Ah, you guys are just narrow-minded. We're just preaching the Bible. We love everybody, but the Bible says there is a right and there is a wrong. You say, how did you come up with that conclusion, Brother Eric? God. The Word of God. I've just kind of learned it. The longer I'm a Christian, the more I've learned things. Like, we believe there's a God to whom we will give an account one day. We believe you can experience the forgiveness of God by turning from your sin and coming to faith in Christ. Where did you learn that, Eric? The Bible. We believe you can know for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die. Really? Where did you learn that? God's Word. You see, this is called the full assurance of understanding. That's what verse 2 says. You can be fully assured that you understand some things, and it will help you as a Christian to understand why things happen in this world. For instance, if you watch the news, you might freak out if you didn't know God's word. North Korea is forming a bomb that's going to destroy the world. Putin is stealing the election. I mean, you hear all this, oh! What's going to happen? And here's me. I know what's going to happen. Amen. This world is going to be destroyed one day. And when it is, we're, we're going we're to be in a new heaven and a new earth. You say, where'd you learn that? The Bible. Oh, man. It's so awesome to know some stuff. Christians understand stuff, not because we're better, but because we have a Bible that we put our faith in. We believe God's word is true. We understand that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. When you understand that, you have more compassion. We understand that the natural man does not perceive the things of the Spirit of God. Neither can he know them, for they are foolishness to him. It helps to know that, so that when I meet somebody who thinks I'm an idiot, I don't get mad at him. I understand. You just haven't heard what God says. We believe that everyone is born sinful, so we're not too shocked about the sin that happens all around us. We believe the wages of sin is death. We believe the gift of God is eternal life. We believe that if you believe in the name of the Son of God, you will be saved. And one of the marks of a quality church is that the people in that church are growing in their understanding of God's Word. And I would say this humbly. If you're not growing, then honestly, I would, I would want you to be in a church where you could grow. I'd want that for my own kids. I would want that. One of the reasons why I really felt like we needed to transition was because I felt like there would come a time when my own kids would say, Dad, this is just tradition. I mean, Dad, gum, Dad, it ain't in the Bible. I'm going somewhere else. I love you, Dad, but I mean, this is just not Bible. I mean, I know you believe it because somebody else believes it, and God bless you, Dad, but hope it works out. I didn't want to lose my kids and your kids 
Because of tradition. So we paid the price to change some things so we could preach the word. Amen. That's really what we did. We just grew in our understanding of God's word. And when we did, we're like, hmm, we need to change that. That's not in the Bible. Isn't that cool? That's how it works. Even I've grown. And you know what's amazing? One of the marks of a quality church is this, but it's not boring. It's not boring to us to come and hear God's word. It's actually exciting. When I got up this morning, I I promise you, I promise you, I wasn't one of these guys, one of these pastors that his wife had to kick him out of bed, you know. Honey, I'm not going to church today. You've got to go. You're the preacher. That didn't happen. I promise I was up at, at 545, jumped out of bed, got the Dunkin' Donuts coffee. That helped me. to. That's my steroids, okay? So I got going. Got in the word a little bit, got, got fixed up, got to the office about 645, and I've been excited ever since because I can't wait to share this stuff with you. So good. It's not boring. Coming to a healthy church is not like, well, everybody get ready, got to go to church today. You're probably in the wrong church. Honestly, it's not passive. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to go to a church. It's a privilege to be a part of a church that's healthy and growing and we got to love the teaching and preaching of God's word. That's what those two disciples meant when they were on the road to Emmaus. And they said to Jesus, or they said to each other about Jesus, did not our hearts burn within us? Did you feel what I felt? Yeah, that was incredible. That dude can teach. Then they found out it was Jesus and they were like, no wonder. <laughs> no wonder. That's the way we ought to feel when we go to church. I love Jeremiah 15, 16. It says this. It's kind of weird, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. This is a weird verse. It's true, but it's weird. Your words were found and I ate them. I'm like, okay, okay, Jeremiah. (laughs) A little different approach there. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, I got to thinking. I know what he means. He said, your words became to me a joy and delight of my heart. He means, you know what, what physical food is to the body, spiritual food is to the soul. That's why we, honestly, that was one of the reasons why I decided, you know what, let's not come back Sunday night and do this all over again. Because if we give you a prime rib or a ribeye steak with all the fixings and a nice little dessert on Sunday morning, you will be so full, you need a nap. Amen? I mean, hey, nothing wrong with coming back and doing it all over again. But last time I ate two ribeyes in one day, I got sick. I don't want you to have so much you can't process. I want you to be able to come to church, get fully full, feel like, whoa, man, I, I ate that sermon. I got it. I want to let it process, go to small group, and come back next Sunday for another one. You see, this is what God's word does. Knowing God and growing in his understanding. And then, number four, Paul said this. Look at it in verse five. It's incredible. For though I am absent, In body, I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. So next, God says, I want you to flourish in your faith. Paul said, if I could be there, this is what I'd want to see. Are the people trusting God? Are you trusting God? Are you trusting God with your finances? Are you trusting God with your marriage? Are you trusting God with your time? Are you trusting God? I would want to see that people are flourishing in their faith. In other words, I would say this, are you growing spiritually? 
Are you in a church that you're growing? You're becoming more like Christ. Here's another way to put it. Are you in a better place than you were last year? That's a great way to look at it. Am I, am I doing, you know, am I flourishing in my faith to where I can say, this time last year, I wasn't where I'm at this year spiritually. We should be growing in our faith, growing spiritually, flourishing in that area. And that's one of the things I'm so excited about. I've got some vision back because I can see, you know, sometimes I wish I had the faith that I had when I first started this church. We had a church member that used to say this about faith. Man, he's got, he's got the guts of a high diver. He just, man, he, he just believes God can do anything. And then I went through this phase where I guess I didn't believe God could do anything. And I got discouraged and I just kind of, just kind of would get nervous about everything and worry about the offerings and worry about, if, are we going to make it? And then all of a sudden things started happening in the past year. Like, who gets a $2 million building free? How does that happen? Anybody got any ideas? How does that, how, how does somebody deed you a property like that over there on Belding Street? I, only thing I can think of is faith. When you're faithful with a little gym, God will make you ruler over a big gym. <laughs> Amen. God said, okay, let's see what you're going to do for 25 years in that little matchbox. If you guys will not complain and love that gym and clean it and treat it like it was the best thing ever, I'll give you a couple gyms down the road. It's amazing. And then I look at what God's done at the college and finally accreditation and finally financial aid. And then I look at the Christian school and how it's growing. Greater numbers than we've had in 10 years. 10 years we've never seen these numbers. And the building is beautiful and, and enhancements are being made and the property is getting prettier and things are happening. And I'm like, God... You are great. You're doing what you used to do back in the day. And God said, I would have been doing it all the time. He just lost faith. I'm like, okay, sorry. I, I think you're right. I think I just lost faith. And I think God is, 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 is doing some big things right now, but I think it's just the beginning. I do. I wouldn't be preaching this if I didn't believe we're on the cusp. And those of you that have been here for a while know, what's up, a preacher? He seems a little excited. And I know I'm always excited, but I mean, I haven't shared vision in a while. You got to admit, I've, I've been careful because I just don't want to get up here and cast vision if I don't have the faith to believe that God can do it. But I'm changing. And so the bottom line is, are the people of gospel like truly trusting God? A quality church is where the people are trusting God. Because I know one thing about you and I know one thing about me. We're all going through stuff. Anybody in here just would say, no, not me, preacher. Actually, I've got a perfect life. My family is absolutely doing better than they've ever done. My marriage is like perfect. My kids are incredible. They've never made a mistake in like two years. It's incredible. I've got more money than I know what to do with. I mean, I gave an offering today. I've got like a million in the car. It's incredible. Just bought a new car yesterday. It's unreal. I'm going to buy one tomorrow. I mean, I want to talk to you after the service. I need serious counsel. You can help me. <laughs> Could I talk to you? After? Seriously, if anybody's hand goes up right now, I'm like, I'm paying you 100 bucks an hour. I got to find out what's going on. No, no, no. We all got junk. We've all got stuff. Here's the difference. Are you trusting God with your stuff? Whatever your stuff is, whatever your junk is, whatever your mess is, Whatever your difficulty is, God says, are you trusting me? If it's cancer, Miranda, are you trusting me? Amen. You are.
If it's a financial problem, are you trusting me? If it's a situation that you, you just feel like you, you can't control, are you trusting me to control it? If it's a wayward child, are you trusting me? God wants to know, will you trust me with your stuff? Will you have faith? And I'll bring it to pass. Because the same way you came to Jesus Christ is the same way you flourish in Christ. Look at verse 6. It's incredible. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Just like you received him, walk in him. Rooted and built up and established in the faith. You come to Jesus by faith and you grow in Jesus by faith. Faith is not a part of the Christian life. Faith is the whole thing. It's the whole thing. It's not part. It's, it's everything. Believing God. And then I want to give you the last three words of verse 6 and just say this. As you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. How cool is that? Counting every blessing. Counting every blessing. Isn't that cool? Isn't that song great? You know what that song means? That song just simply means this. Are you thankful? Can you see God in your life? I woke up this morning. I I sleep like this is our bed and I'm sleeping looking at the wall right of the bathroom. I woke up this morning and I look to my right and there's my wife. And I'm thinking, and she was snoring just a little bit. So it's a low snore. It's not a high snore. Just, it's just really, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And I looked over and I thought, then I go to Chloe's room and I open the door and I look at Chloe. I'm thankful. It wouldn't matter if I went to Zoe's room because it's pitch black, no windows. You can't even see the kids. So you could just look at the door and say, I'm thankful. <laughs> I go to Glory Ann. She had a bloody nose this morning. Blood everywhere. Blood all over her shirt. Blood all over the bed. Looked like a murder scene. It happens about once a month. Don't get, it's not abuse, I promise. It's just part of her problems. I look at the bed, blood everywhere, and I'm like, I'm thankful. I love that little kid. She's crazy. She's high maintenance, but I love her. I drive up to the church property and look at this big, massive plant, and I'm thinking, God, you're so good. I walk in the building. I see Ken Wagner turning on the air conditions, and I'm thinking, I'm glad we got AC. I'm so thankful I don't pass her like in Cuba or something, you know. I mean, I'm for Cuba. I love Cuba, but I want God to call somebody else to hot places, don't you? I want to be an AC. I'm thankful, I'm laughing, I'm joking, but I'm making a point. My point is this. It's simply to say, are you thankful? Because honestly, church, you would not complain if you looked to your right or your left. You'd say, yeah, you're right, I I got it pretty good. You see, the whole world could cave in. But I'm blessed to have a wife and kids and a church family. Bring it on. I'm a blessed man. I'm going to abound in Thanksgiving, and nothing's going to change that. Nothing. So the church this morning, this is my message to you. I'm casting vision for you this morning to be what what the Apostle Paul said. If I could be there, this is what I would be looking for in a church. Are they encouraged? Do they love one another? Are they growing in their understanding of God's word? And are they flourishing in their faith? Are they? Let me ask you eight questions and just give yourself a grade this week. Don't do it now. Do it in a small group. When I am not trusting God, I know it. The Holy Spirit convicts me, and I repent and begin afresh. Just give yourself a grade there, one to ten, and then grow. My faith in God is growing. I can see it. 
I have more joy in my faith than I ever had before. Just think about it. Number three, I have a growing satisfaction in the value of knowing God. Now, if you're sitting and looking at that and thinking, hmm, what's what's that mean? You probably need a one or a two on that one. That's okay. Uh, we, We can talk about it. But if you understand what it means to know God and value God. and Number four, I am growing in my understanding of God's word. If you hear this morning, I hadn't opened God's word up in months. It's okay, but don't give yourself a high score. But if you're passionate about God's word and you feel like you're growing. Number five, when I see opportunities to express Christ's love, I pray seriously about how I can do it. Is that you? I can truly say that I love the people in this church. Is that you? Well, most everybody. I got a few people I just don't don't care for. It's okay. Thanks for being honest. Why don't you grow with me? I look for people who seem to be carrying heavy burdens and I try to encourage them. Or do you just kind of find a seat, sit, and wait for somebody to encourage you? That's okay. That's where you're at. But why don't you grow with me? And then finally, I've already ministered to and encouraged at least one person since I came to church today. Or did you come 10 minutes late and throw your kids in the nursery and slip in real quick? And that's okay too, but just give yourself a lower grade and, and grow with me. That last one requires getting here a little early and taking some extra time. It's okay. Just be honest. Talk about it in your small groups. And let's grow. Every head bowed, every eye closed. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, this morning we're going to just sing a couple of, just a couple minutes of this invitation. And then we're going to, we're going to introduce our new members. And I want you to just rejoice with me that God is growing his church. And we're going to be dismissed until next week. And I'm going to pray that God will give you some time this week to find a small group, find a place to belong. Maybe you're here this morning, you would say, man, pastor, I've never been saved. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. And when you talked about that in your message, it really struck me. Maybe you watched Carter get baptized and you thought, what is that all about? Buried with him in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of resurrection. Wow, that's so cool. What is that all about? How do you get buried with Christ? We can talk about it. It's really amazing. God loves you so much that he died for you. And he wants to wash you of your sins and make you a perfect child of God. Maybe you're here this morning, you would just say, I need to come and pray or just sit and worship or whatever. It's, it's just up to you. You do whatever God would lead you to do. And then Doug and I and Butch are here. If you need someone to pray with, we would love to take just a minute and pray with anybody here today who needs prayer for just a few moments. Father, I love you. I thank you for what you're doing. God bless this invitation. Speak to our hearts and use these next couple of minutes to bring us into a place of surrender, at least to where we'd say, God, I want to go from a one to a two or a four to a five or a seven to an eight. I want to grow. I want to grow in some areas of my life.
in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand, shall we?